This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. If you own a business, small or large, and you're thinking of selling that business, my next guest can be an important part of that process. I'm Martin Strong, and on Vancouver Consumer this afternoon, we'll be talking to the folks at Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. BC Ferries is shaking up its leadership as it deals with problems ranging from severe staff shortages to dozens of cancelled sailings. A statement from BC Ferry Services says the board has ended the contract of President and CEO Mark Collins effective immediately. They did it right away. There was no three-firing wait as BC Ferry sometimes does. Uh, It comes as board chair Joy McPhail says board members want to see fresh ideas and a renewed commitment to the highest standards of customer service, safety, and affordability. And here on Vancouver Consumer, we've talked a lot about scams aimed at older people on the Lower Mainland where crooks pretend to be police officers and they ask people for money, often to bail a loved one out of jail. Well, this past week, one man was arrested after being caught in the act of attempting to bilk a West Vancouver senior out of $16,000. It's alleged to be a variation of the familiar grandparent scam and happened Tuesday. According to West Van Police, the 80-year-old victim got a call at home from someone who called themselves Officer Baker with the North Van RCMP, and uh, he told him his grandson had been arrested and needed bail money in order to be released. The fraudster then handed the phone to another guy who pretended to be the grandson. Together, they were able to convince the senior to withdraw $16,000 and wait at home for someone who would come collect the cash. When the suspect arrived wearing plain clothes with no police ID, the senior got a little suspicious. The fraudster claimed Officer Baker would be arriving shortly, but instead the real cops showed up. Police say they get, that was a lucky break. They just happened to be in the area due to an unrelated call, and someone flagged them down. Scams targeting a senior's desire to help a family member are unfortunately common, though most times no one is ever arrested. And if you buy a drink at Vancouver Playhouse or Queenie Theatre, for example, the bartenders won't accept a tip. That's because the city of Vancouver is employing them, and it's against city policy. But is that fair? This policy didn't sit well with one Vancouverite, Faye Kiamel, who has started a change.org petition to demand the city allow Vancouver City Theatre employees to accept tips. She says she was at the Orpheum on July 18th, and she saw bartenders continually have to, having to explain that they couldn't take tips. Uh, but what does the city think? A spokesperson responded to the petition by saying that the policy applies to all City of Vancouver staff and that Vancouver Civic Theatres are proud to provide their employees with a healthy living wage and they strive to provide significant working hours for their staff. And the best airport hotel in North Vancouver, North America rather, has been announced. And it's right here in Richmond. Fairmont Airport Vancouver, which is connected to the Vancouver Airport, is ranked one of the best airport hotels in the world. The list of the world's best airport hotels 2022 
lists them as number one in North America and number five around the world. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, if you're buying or selling a business, you definitely want to talk to my next guest. When we come back, we'll talk to Andrew J. Brown, a business broker and advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. That's coming up next. If you own a business, large or small, my next guest can be an important part about how, of how you deal with that business, whether it's brand new or whether it's been in the family for generations and whether that business is just now starting to take off or it's something you're thinking about selling. With me now is Andrew J. Brown, a merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. You can see them on the web at pmabb.com. Com, PMAB with two Bs.com, and they have offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna with affiliated members worldwide. Andrew J. Brown, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thanks, Martin. It's good to talk to you again. All right. Well, let's talk about mergers and acquisitions. That's a, a phrase you hear a lot. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people probably don't know what it means, but it's basically for people who own businesses. Uh, and in your case, it's sort of small to medium businesses and how you help those businesses. That's right. Um, here in BC, uh, we, we have a, a number of small to medium-sized businesses in a number of different industries. Uh, so predominantly, we, we have a, quite a, a pool of potential businesses that we work with. And my, my job basically is to, to work with business owners of a typical small to medium-sized business of, say, 2 to $20 million in enterprise value. And um, oftentimes, you, you have a business owner that's at a stage in their life where they're ready to retire, and um, they want to sell their business, and they look for some advice on how to go about doing that and some help along the way, and that's essentially what we do. Uh, we sit down with them, uh, we get to understand what their goals are and you know why they're looking to sell, and then we walk them through the process of uh, understanding the value of their business and then if uh, they're at the point where they want to proceed, then we go through the process of helping them sell, which involves marketing the business and uh, coordinating a, a transaction with a, with a buyer. And in your experience, do most people undervalue or overvalue their businesses? Because probably a lot of people have been, you know, maybe they start a, a small business and it, it starts to grow and uh, they've got their head down and they're just kind of working in it. Uh, do they, that's my question, do they, they tend to overvalue their businesses or undervalue their businesses? Yeah, great question. I mean, you get both. I'd say, though, the, the norm would be uh, uh, to, to overvalue their, their business. Um, uh, nobody uh, has an ugly baby, as we like to say. <laughs> and um, people sometimes um, build up some, some delusions along the way of what it's worth, uh, and it becomes a bit of a reality check. Uh, that said, though, oftentimes you'll sit down with someone and you'll present the value and they'll say, you know what, that's exactly what I thought it would be. Um, and then sometimes, and it's not often, but sometimes you're like, wow, it's worth so much more. Um, and those are certainly happy surprises that uh, we like to work with. Um, but, but from time to time, you do get a seller that perhaps has some inflated ideas of what their business is worth. And uh, inevitably, though, whether it's through a conversation with us or just exploring things on their own, uh, they get uh, tenderized by the market, as we like to say. <laughs> tenderized, yeah. So why is it important to go to a place like Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions and, and not 
just sort of go it alone? Yeah, great question. I mean, uh, oftentimes you'll have a business owner that's been approached by a potential buyer and they think to themselves, well, you know, what would I need a uh, an advisor for? Uh, I can just kind of do this myself. Why would I pay someone some fees to do something that uh, uh, I'm perfectly able to, to conduct on, on, on my own? And, um, you know, the answer to that question is where we come in is we uh, like to be able to uh, create a market uh, for a potential seller. Um, when you're selling anything, uh, you're going to be best off in a competitive landscape uh, when selling. And what that's going to create is an opportunity to generate simultaneous interest. And what that results in is getting favorable terms and price. Um, you know, sometimes people get quite fixated on the price that they can get for the business, but they ignore uh, the terms. And when you're a seller and you're not necessarily experienced in selling a business and you're dealing with an experienced buyer, such as a private equity group, uh, you could run the risk of perhaps getting yourself into a situation where the wool might get pulled over your eyes and you get um, uh, sort of blinded by the purchase price, but then the details um, of a earnout or some vendor note, things like that, that you're not necessarily too uh, accustomed to uh, might make that deal not quite as attractive as you might think it would be. So it's a bit like being a real estate agent in in a way. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, we we like to think that we, what we do is a bit more complicated at times, but at the end of the day, um, it's it's very similar to to real estate in the sense that uh, there's a supply and demand uh, situation, and creating a market is going to uh, generate favorable terms. When you sell anything, whether it's uh, real estate or, or a widget, uh, a competitive market is only going to work to your advantage. Right. This is Vancouver Consumer. We're talking to Andrew J. Brown, a merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. Uh, you can find them online at pmabb.com, PMAB, uh, with two Bs. Um, you can also give them a call at 604 696 Six one one one. They have offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna with affiliated members worldwide. So it's uh, for anybody who has a small to medium business, um, especially somebody who's looking to sell that business, and they want to make sure they sell it right. And you definitely need, uh, you know, the help of somebody like Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. So why don't you tell us, give us some examples of, of businesses that that you've helped people sell. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned before, in BC uh, in particular, there are a wide breadth of different industries uh, that uh, participate in, in, in the economy uh, where there's no real predominant um, industry. So we, we work with uh, health uh, and beauty manufacturers. Um, we work with uh, uh, child care enterprises. We work with uh, marine shipyards. Uh, we work with uh, retail uh, stores. Um, you know, you name it, we, we potentially have worked with that type of company in the past. Uh, so we're not uh, limited to any particular industry. Uh, when we work with companies, our selling process is the same. Uh, we have a five-stage selling process that we use, and it's the same no matter 
what uh, type of industry or what size of company it is. Uh, it's, it's always the same where we sit down with a business owner and we help them understand uh, the value of their business and then uh, walk them through the process of uh, taking the business to market and then finding the right buyer and then uh, helping them coordinate it through all the way to close. Right. So you're saying a business is a business, no matter what it, what it sells or what it does, whatever the service is. But I guess every situation is different, too, because it has people involved. There's human beings. And, and I guess you've come into some situations that are completely different than other situations, even though the business is kind of similar. Absolutely. It's very much a people business. Uh, you're going to get all sorts of different types of personalities. Um, there's different profiles of both buyers and sellers. Uh, when you look at um, types of buyers, um, you've got uh, high-risk buyers and low-risk buyers. And what I mean by that is a high-risk buyer has a very high risk tolerance. Uh, they uh, typically do a number of deals per year, uh, uh, would typically have deep pockets and really understand uh, the transaction process and all the ins and outs. And oftentimes those types of buyers have uh, a high appetite for for risk uh, because they're looking for uh, high returns. Uh, Then you conversely have low-risk buyers where uh, these folks are typically quite conservative. Uh, They uh, take a lot of time trying to understand uh, the minutia of things and um, Uh, don't part with their money very easily. And as an intermediary, you have to learn how to navigate uh, the different types of personalities that are involved in those types of buyers. And and also with with sellers, uh, you have sellers that are sometimes quite aggressive and are looking to exit their business um, quickly and are uh, willing to um, look at uh, getting things done in a quick manner and uh, are quite... um, tolerant as it relates to risk. And then you get ones that um, are very, very conservative. They've been in the business for sometimes over 50, 60 years, and they don't part with these things very easily and uh, don't deal well with uh, things like risk and conflict. So all sorts of emotions can arise in a transaction on both sides. And uh, uh, my job as an intermediary is to help uh, balance that to help everyone work towards the common goal, which is ultimately a transaction. Right. And what's a a common mistake of people who maybe they've been in a business, they've built it up and they've had it a long time and then they go to sell it. What's a a common mistake that uh, business owners make when they sell their business? Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a a life lesson uh, at times. Um, I think, as I mentioned earlier, where no one has an ugly baby, um, sellers get quite attached to their business. And when uh, you get to the negotiating part of things, Sometimes they take things very personal, and uh, they have a tough time perhaps uh, separating the business aspect from from the personal emotions they might feel uh, when someone is suggesting they would pay uh, less for their company for a certain reason. Uh, And because they've been attached to their business for so long, um, they get a bit emotional about the whole thing, and it's completely understandable. Um, But uh, if you take things personal, um, it's going to be to your detriment. You have to kind of look at the big picture, look at what your uh, life goals are here, and uh, stay uh, on track to that North Star of exiting your business for the certain type of price and terms that that you set out to to get. 
uh, and not get caught up in the emotions of it all. Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of like why hockey players have agents. Because could you imagine if you're a pro hockey player and you go in to negotiate and they say, well, you know, you're slowing down, you're you're not as good as you used to be, you, you don't go in the corners, uh, you would destroy the player. But if you're dealing with an agent, it's a little different. It's a it's a great analogy for sure. Um, you, you can't help but take certain criticisms personally, and uh, certainly if you're a sports person in that situation, uh, that would be uh, uh, much tough to take. And it's not so different when when you're running a business. Right. We're talking to Andrew J. Brown, a merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. Go to pmabb.com. And Andrew, if if somebody is is thinking of selling has uh you know a business that they're thinking of selling uh do you recommend they just uh, get a hold of you and maybe uh, you know you can ask them some questions Absolutely. Uh, we're always happy to fr- provide a, a free consultation. Uh, if anyone's in that mode of uh, wondering what to do, uh, always happy to have a chat. Um, you know, uh, it's sometimes helpful just to understand uh, timing as to when it's good to have a business uh, sold. Um, a predominant thing is uh, we often have conversations with people that are just coming off of some, uh, say, tough financial uh, years, and uh, but they're they're looking to exit. And um, although I can understand why they'd be looking to get out at that point, because it's been a bit of a, uh, a bit of a grind, uh, that not that is not necessarily the best time to to, to sell. Uh, typically, the most recent years earnings are the uh, predominant determining factor of the value of a business. And if you're coming off of a, a tough year, uh, that is only going to work to your disadvantage. Right. Um, conversely, though, uh, if things are going great. Uh, that's uh, exactly the time to sell, uh, which is a tough thing for people to get their heads wrapped around because they're like, well, why would I sell? I'm making all this money. <laughs> uh, but uh, you have to understand we deal in a world of multiples and um, any increase in your uh, earnings is going to go uh, and get multiplied by anywhere between, say, 2 and 20. Uh, so uh, those those factors uh, play a huge role in determining your business. And you know, the difference between um, 200K of profit versus 100K of profit isn't just double. It's sometimes, um, you know, as I said, two to 20 times as much when you factor in the multiple. Right. We're talking to Andrew J. Brown from Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated, PMABB.com. And when we come back, I want to ask you about uh, inflation and what's that doing to businesses when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. Welcome back. My guest this afternoon is Andrew J. Brown, a business intermediary and merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. PMABB.com, PMAB.com uh, is where you can find them online. If you are a business owner and you are thinking of selling your business, uh, Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions are the people you should talk to. And uh, Andrew, uh, I guess we're coming out of a strange time but things are you know getting even stranger i mean we're we're coming out of covid and now we have this crazy inflation situation so how does that affect uh what's going on with with businesses and people buying and selling businesses and the valuation of the businesses you know what's what's the climate like out there 
Yeah, great question, Mark. It's all interrelated. Uh, It has been quite the roller coaster for for everyone uh, over the last uh, couple of years, and the M&A market is no different. Uh, I think in 2020, uh, in the early days of COVID, it was obviously um, quite a tough time for everyone across the board, including M&A. And then I think if you look at 2021, uh, that was what we would call a red hot year uh, for M&A. There was tons of activity. Uh, Now with um, inflation and the impact that it's having on the financial markets and uh, interest rates and and all that, uh, things have now sort of gone the other way a little bit. Um, I would say M&A typically lags the financial markets when it comes to these sorts of things. So although the financial markets have been very, very volatile and for the most part uh, negative, it hasn't had a a full impact on M&A. But we are starting to see some slowdown uh, to a point where 2022 is more like a typical year as opposed to 2021, which was red hot. Um, so things are still happening, but uh, it's cooled off a little bit. Uh, buyers are taking a little bit more time and due diligence, and deals are getting pushed a bit more. Uh, so there is an impact. Yeah, and you were you were mentioning that when you talk to new clients, sometimes you sit down and give them a free consultation. You talk about timing with their businesses. Is it a good time to sell their business? What are some examples of uh, when it is a not a good time to sell a business, or maybe when it is a good time to sell a business? Yeah, a uh, uh, great question. I mean, it. It really comes down to how your particular business is performing. Uh, sometimes people do get a bit caught up with what's going on in the economy and financial markets, and uh, they get a little too concerned about that as it relates to how their business would sell. Um, and really, the thing that you need to focus on is just how is my business doing uh, itself as far as earnings. Uh, if your business is continuing to make good money, uh, then you're going to have uh, little problem finding a willing buyer. Um, so there is still quite a bit of uh, what we call dry powder out there as far as people looking to deploy capital. In fact, more than ever now with the financial markets uh, being so volatile, um, people are looking to equities and buying businesses more and more as a safer place uh, to invest. So if your business is making money, uh, it's going to be attractive to a lot of people, uh, particularly the financial buyers out there. They're still uh, very much uh, looking for good businesses to buy. It might be a little bit more challenging to uh, work with a strategic buyer uh, just because of the climate. Um, but if your business is making money, uh, it's a good time to, to explore uh, selling your business. If your business is not making money, then it has the opposite effect. Um, if you look at it from a financial buyer's perspective, uh, if you're if you're losing money, uh, why would someone buy something that's going to lose the money? Uh, and although people do um, like to um, think about things like goodwill and you know customer lists and employees, and there is some value there, but at the end of the day, if if you're not making money, it's just not going to be attractive to a buyer. 
Right. And we're talking about business valuations. I should mention uh, Andrew J. Brown is with Public or Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated, PMABB.com. Andrew is a business intermediary and merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. And uh, we're talking about business valuation. Um, and, you know, some businesses, when they're being sold, make more money than other businesses that are that are on the block. But what um, what advice do you have for businesses, business owners, to increase their valuations? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great question. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do uh, to increase your valuations. I would look uh, predominantly at uh, cash flows. Um, any prospective buyer is going to want to see the true cash flow of the business. And in the business world, just like uh, any other place, cash is king. Uh, so make sure you're driving all of your income to the bottom line to improve your cash flows if you're in the mind space of looking to exit your business. Uh, so that's going to have the biggest impact uh, by far. Um, but when you look at some of the other uh, sort of softer things that you can start doing, um, a big thing that you can look at doing is to start developing key employees. Uh, you want to eliminate any re- uh, dependency that the business has on you as an owner running the business. Uh, oftentimes, financial buyers, who are the ones that are uh, most predominant in this particular uh, economic client, they're going to look to uh, put uh, key employees in place that could potentially uh, manage the company uh, without you. Uh, so by making yourself disposable, it's only going to work uh, to your benefit. Um, other things you can do is start uh, making sure that you document what you do, uh, have job descriptions, processes, strategic plans well documented so that uh, when a buyer is doing due diligence, all that information is uh, available to them. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, what a buyer is looking to do is reduce risk as much as possible. So anywhere in your business that you can reduce potential risks from a buyer's perspective is going to be uh, time well spent. Right. And you mentioned uh, you know, making yourself expendable as the owner of the business uh, being a more attractive thing. But there must be times when the people who are buying the business want assurances that the people who are making it go uh, are still going to remain at least for a limited period of time. No, no question about it. So those are questions that get, that get asked during the due diligence process. Uh, oftentimes a buyer will uh, request that they speak with those uh, key employees just to get an understanding as to what their uh, appetite is to stay on. Um, so those are things that uh, buyers look at most certainly uh, just to get that level of comfort. Right. And, and uh, you talk a lot about exit strategies. And uh, what do, do business owners need to know about different exit strategies of their business? Right. I mean, so at the end of the day, if you're looking to sell your business, uh, you need to put together a strategy uh, as it relates to how are you going to market it and, and make it attractive. So uh, one strategy that you can uh, look at doing is... Um, to increase the uh, potential price, uh, you're going to want to make your business appealing to potential strategic buyers, uh, where a strategic buyer sometimes will pay a premium on the multiple if they uh, look at acquiring your business as the ability to realize what we call accretion to their business by adding your business to theirs, they're going to see a significant uptick in their own value. 
Uh, so how you can do that is uh, start aligning your business so that it's going to be potentially attractive to someone in your industry, um, whether it's uh, focusing on particular types of uh relationships with customers, uh, certain customers that you know are going to be attractive to one of your larger competitors, making sure you uh, have those relationships um, uh, well-formed is just going to increase your potential value. So it sounds like it can get complicated, and I guess that's why people need uh, an expert on their side, like Andrew, Andrew J. Brown, a business intermediary and merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated, and as I mentioned, online, pmabb.com. You can also give him a call at 604-696-6111. They have offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna, with affiliated members worldwide. And do you find a lot of people um, that you talk to, because you mentioned uh, some people come in for free consultations, do you find that people might think that their business is too small to, to use somebody like Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions? Um, how, how do people know when they're right for you? The, the, the easiest way is, is to, to, to make a phone call and sit down and have a discussion. Uh, sometimes people uh, have a different view of themselves that, that they are too small when they're doing, say, 5 to $10 million a year. They look at, you know, billion-dollar companies and they think of themselves as, as quite small. And, you know, sure, I could see where they're coming from from that perspective. But uh, in our world, uh, on the companies that we uh, like to work with, that's right in our sweet spot of the type of customer that we would want to work with as far as generating those types of uh, revenues. And you, you really only find that out by just having a conversation. And uh, what we like to do is sit down and uh, find out a little bit more about uh, the company and, and the reasons why they're interested in exploring selling. Uh, certainly uh, happy to provide an NDA so they feel comfortable talking. But ultimately, what we need to find out is just how much revenue are you doing and what sort of profits are you generating. Um, and then from there, we're able to quickly uh, determine whether or not it's the right size and right fit for us. Interesting. And and like you say, a business is a business, but you, in your years of experience, must have seen so many different st- Types of business. Are you ever surprised by? Oh my God, this is an actual business. <laughs> this makes a lot of money. Yeah, so you know, uh, it uh, different types of businesses come out of uh, left field, and you're like, wow, I haven't seen margins like this ever. Whether it's like some sort of uh, adventure uh, type of business where people are um, taking people on corporate retreats, uh, you're like, wow, that really generates a much higher margin than then I had any idea. And then you have other types of companies that are more in a commodity type of business where their revenues are like, you know, 20 to 50 million, but the actual profit they're making is very similar to that sort of $5 million a year, uh, you know, adventure touring business. Uh, And they're making the same amount of money, even though one company has way more employees uh, and uh, way more overhead. At the end of the day, their bottom lines are very similar. Interesting. And I, I guess the internet obviously has has added to that with people selling online and all that kind of stuff. No question about it. I mean, the, uh, the impact that technology has had uh, is profound when you look at retail. 
um, companies uh, that haven't made that pivot to to selling online or getting left behind. Uh, the marketplace that uh, companies like Amazon and eBay have created by uh, providing uh, online um, uh, commerce has uh, definitely had a huge impact on how everybody does business, uh, whether you're a retail company, car company, any type of company. Uh, if you're not leveraging technology the right way, uh, you're going to get left behind. Well, Andrew J. Brown, it was so interesting talking to you. Andrew is a business intermediary and merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. Uh, They are online at pmabb.com. For some reason, I see that as PMAB with two Bs, uh, pmabb.com. You can give them a call at 604 696 611 offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna, affiliated members worldwide. And so you um, you recommend that anybody with a business that they're thinking of selling uh, give Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions a call or get a, get a hold of them on the Internet, and uh, you may be able to help them. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure talking to, to people, and it's fascinating finding out about different types of businesses, and uh, it's always good to have a conversation with someone. So happy to chat. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. Great talking to you. Likewise, Martin. I appreciate it. Right on. Coming up, are you looking for a five-pound gummy bear? Or you just want a really good sandwich? There's a couple of new places in Vancouver you might want to try. That story is next. Welcome back. And if you are a business owner and uh, you found what Andrew J. Brown had to say interesting, you can get a hold of Andrew at uh, Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated, PMABB.com, or you can phone them at 604-696-6111. Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions have offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna, and affiliated members worldwide. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. Are you in the market for a five-pound gummy bear? There's a brand new store on Granville Street that you might want to check out. Ricardo's Candy Corner opened yesterday, and the owner, Ricardo Rosea, claims it's the biggest candy store in B.C., along with the usual imported sweets, cereals, and exotic candies like a five-pound gummy bear. The store's highlight is the bulk section. It's got uh, over 400 types of bulk candy. And before you get any ideas, um, it is a a regular gummy. The chance to be the biggest in B.C. just came by chance as the space was available. And Ricardo saw the opportunity, especially located downtown on Granville Street, right outside of Pacific Center. It's the second candy store for Ricardo who already operates the Candy Corner in White Rock. And yes, a lot of people are asking about the five-pound gummy. It, uh, it's just a regular gummy. It's candy. It's not cannabis. Because uh, that would be huge, a five-pound cannabis gummy. That would be Seth Rogen size. And speaking of uh, new retail, there's a new Quiznos restaurant opening in Vancouver, but it's not your typical sandwich shop. It's a prototype store, and if it works here in Vancouver, it will set the tone for all the other 500 Quiznos locations around the globe. This new Vancouver restaurant on Southeast Marine Drive looks a little different for a Quiznos. It comes with a new logo, 
new corporate colors, and additional kitchen equipment that enables it to have an expanded menu. The Denver-based sandwich chain, Quiznos, has one other redesigned prototype store. This one is in Hobbs, New Mexico. And Mark Lohman, the president of Rigo Restaurant Group, which owns Quiznos, says they want to test the new changes here in Vancouver and in New Mexico to, in his words, learn what works and what doesn't work. For example... Uh, new flat top grills here in Vancouver at the Quiznos uh, allow that location to offer a range of Philly cheese steak sandwiches, which sound pretty delicious. Vancouver has been a big part of the Quiznos story. The chain's first international location was opened uh, right here in Vancouver in 1996 at West Broadway and Heather. By 2001, there were 138 Quiznos in Canada, 82 of them in B.C. I'm Martin Strong. I want to thank uh, our other guest this afternoon, John Carlson. Uh, You know him as Johnny Smartpoint, and you can find him online at johnnysmartpoint.com. Go to his website, and you can see his current listings. You can also send him an email at john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And this is Vancouver Consumer. We're here every Saturday, 2 to 4 Every Saturday afternoon, I want to thank our producer, Leo Coelho, and Jonathan Chung. We'll see you next week. Stick around. The news is coming up next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.